You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. So I've got, uh, I've asked Adam to keep playing today because I, I just, oh, I just want to move with the spirit. You know, I, um, I've been so, I've been getting so dry and, uh, you know, national conference, I just felt like it just was so king in God. Like every, every time I was in the session and there was worship, I'm like, oh, this is so good. But I have a word in me for us today, and um, it's not going to be. There's a real challenge inside of that for every one of us. Um, but I feel like the word is also for me. So I'm going to I'm going to kind of speak over myself, at the same time that I'm speaking over you. You know, no, no preacher is perfect, and uh, I'm not I'm not any better than anyone. Um, I still got my battles. I still got my stuff that I face. Uh, I still got bad choices and sin. Uh, but I've got God, and there's a presence of God that we have to keep leaning into. Um, and uh, so I'm going to speak out this word over you and over me. And I just get a sense that if you will respond to this word, that there's just going to be some significant changes in not just the atmosphere in your home and in your heart, but there's going to be some significant changes in the, the future that you're going to walk out on this earth. Um, so can I have that stuff? And you can have a seat. And Adam, you can have a seat uh, and keep helping me out there, brother. That'd be awesome. Cool, cool, cool. All right. So, wow, it just went all really quiet, didn't it? It's, it's all good. <laughs> the man's got to sit down. He's like, give me a break, Pastor D. Um, so who was here for Father's Day? Right? We had Father's Day here and um, it was good. We, it was a challenging word, wasn't it? Right? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I, I love that about Joshua. Um, I love what he was able to say at the end of his life. And it, is, it was interesting because that is at the end of his life. Joshua is about to die when he says those words. He gathers all the tribes of Israel together, which, which, which can mean all the leaders of all the families, all the leaders of all the tribes. He gathers them all. And then he says, you know what? God's put before you a, uh, a choice. You can serve him or you can serve all the other gods that exist around you. Uh, but you've got to make a choice. And that choice is for every one of you today. We do have to make a decision. Who am I going to follow? Who am I going to worship? We were created to worship and we will worship something, whether it's on your television or your Xbox, whether it's in magazines or in music, whether it's in your house and your garden, in your home and your possessions, you're definitely going to worship something because that's how you were created. You can't escape that. The choice is whether you're going to worship God or not with your life. So I love that uh, at the end of, uh, of Joshua's life, he was able to say confidently, as for me and my house. Now that meant a lot of people in his house. That meant a huge grouping of people. 
As for me and my family, which could have been up to a hundred people, even more maybe, I don't know. He says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So I wanted to go right back to where it began for Joshua. So if you've got your Bibles, just turn to Joshua chapter one. And I'm going to be reading from the Amplified Version. It's going to be on the screen as well. Um, It says, Joshua chapter 1. Now, it happened after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, or his attendant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise take his place cross over this Jordan you and all this people sounds a bit old school doesn't it into the land which I'm giving them to the sons of Israel Moses my servant is dead right Joshua is being called to rise up he has an opportunity right now to make a decision whether he's going to follow God, continue to follow God with all his heart, with everything that's in him, whether he's going to follow God with his life or not. You know, you you make a choice. We, 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 We get the power of choice. The power of choice will never be removed from you, ever. You can always choose, always, right? And I love that Joshua is now able at the very end of his whole life to say not just about himself, but to say about his entire family. As for me and my house, this is the, this is the, that's the direction we chose. That's where we're, we're going to go. Because that's the, that's the legacy of Joshua's life. So good. All right. Now, flick over with me to John chapter 5. And it's going to be on the screen as well. Oh boy, I, I just, I love this word. Josh, uh, sorry, John chapter 5, verse 1. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five colored colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. And one who was there had been an invalid or disabled or paralyzed for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he'd been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Now, I've missed a uh, a verse. I've missed verse 4 because verse 4 isn't in a lot of translations. It's like one of those verses that was added by someone later on who was thinking, we need to get some context to this. Verse 4 appears in a whole bunch of manuscripts, but not some. And so they put it down the bottom of your Bible there. And it says, and they waited for the moving of the waters. Verse 4, from time to time, an angel of the Lord would come down and stir up the waters. The first one into the pool after each such disturbance would be cured of whatever disease they had. So there's a pool... There's an angel who comes down every now and then, stirs the waters, and the first person into the pool gets healed. And so Jesus comes to the man, and he, he, he knew he'd been in this condition for a long time. In verse 6, it says, he says to him, 
do you want to get well? Jesus says to the man who's been disabled for 38 years, do you want to get well? Now, I would have thought his first response would have been, yes, please. But he says this. He says, sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. And then Jesus says to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured and he picked up his mat and walked. You find Jesus doing this a lot. You find Jesus healing people who are crippled and paralyzed a lot. In Acts chapter 3, uh, Peter and John are going up to the temple. The, the, you know, the right kind of day, they're going to go and worship God. And, and they go up to the temple and there's, and there's a paralyzed man who'd been there for, I think it says 40 years. He'd been there for 40 years. And, uh, and, and the, the guy's asking them for money because that's what he does. He's a beggar. He's at the temple gate. He's asking for money. And, uh, and Peter and John come up to, them, come up to him and, and they say, well, we don't have any money for you. But what we do have, then we can give you. He says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk, right? So they pull him by the hand. You've got to be pretty confident that God's saying something like that. You're going to pull a person who's paralyzed up to his feet, right? And as he grabs his hand, the man's ankles and feet become strong and he rises up. He stands up on his feet. Jesus is always putting people who can't walk back on their feet. He's always putting people who can't move forward, who are stuck, who are paralyzed or crippled by whatever life is thrown at them. Every time there's an encounter with Jesus, there's the opportunity at healing and rising up. Jesus does it to a lot of people. Rise up and walk, rise up and walk, rise up and walk, rise up and walk. He's pulling people up so, so they can stand on their own two feet. Now, in, I was looking this morning back in Luke chapter 14. Uh, Jesus is telling a parable about uh, of the great banquet in heaven, or this, this enormous banquet that's going to be in heaven. And they couldn't find enough people to, to, to want to be in heaven at the great banquet. And everyone's making all these excuses. And it says, go, he says to his servants, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Bring in anybody who will accept Christ's invitation at love and salvation and relationship and fruitfulness and power and truth, right? The poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. The poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. And that's a description of the people that you find in the world. That's a description of us. The poor have got nothing to offer. The crippled, damaged by life, can't move forward, can't get up, crippled by debt, crippled by, you know, a, a bad relationship. Now they're, now they're with the kids and they've got no one to support them, you know, crippled by a sickness, can't move forward, can't get on top of things. 
the blind, people who can't see, they can't see any vision for their life. They've got no capacity to understand or see what God wants for them. And so they're blind and the lame, people who just cannot walk anymore. And so back over here in in John chapter 5, at the pool of Bethesda, you've got the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. Let's, let's, let's talk about Joshua again for a minute. There's, uh, there's a gap that's in front of Joshua. There's a gap in front of him. And God wants him to fill the gap. God says to him, uh, Moses, my servant, is dead. So now you, you rise up and you step into this gap, this place where you will lead these people into the land that I promised them. Okay? Uh, Moses had been uh, leading the tribe of Israel, the, the whatever it was, up to 3 million people of Israel through the desert for, what is it, 38, 40 years. 40 years in the desert. And because Moses did a bad thing, he wasn't allowed to lead the people into the promised land. So Moses had to die first, and then he, he dies. And God comes to Joshua and said, okay, man, it's, it's you. There's a, there's a gap in front of you. There's this, there's this thing that I want you to step into, but you need to rise up into it because I want you to lead these people into this place. I want you to lead them, not just to guide them, but to lead them with me so that they will inhabit and conquer and take residence in this thing called the promised land. And I wonder, I wonder what what gap is in front of you. I wonder what that gap is. I wonder what it is that God is, is, is beckoning you to step into, but, but you're not, He's like, come on, come on, rise up and step into this gap because there's fruitfulness on the other side. There's glory on the other side. There's, there's greatness on the other side. There's, there's fruitfulness on the other side. If you would just listen and step in and God's like, you know what? You're going you're gonna to do some things that you would never do before. I, I, I wonder... I wonder what our life would look like if we'd never accepted the call to church plan. I think it would be easier. I wonder. But he who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom. So, you know. But what what is the plow? What is the thing that God is saying to you? and your family, and your tribe. Okay, this, uh, this thing happened over here, and so that's dead. So there's a, there's a position available for you. Have you ever seen B-movie, that movie B-movie, and they're trying to choose their job? 
And all the jobs are flicking so fast because bees die at a rapid rate. And so all these jobs are becoming available so quickly. And he's like, I want this one, I want this one. No, I'm in the Krellman. No, 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 oh, I can't, I can't work it out. And there's all these jobs die, you know, people, bees dying all over the place. And he's trying to work it out. There's a position vacant for you alone. And the Father has worked that out, what it is. But you have to make that choice whether you're going to just live in the status quo you're going to live in comfort and, you know, I could, just, I could just exist walking around in peace and prosperity, declaring what God has spoken to me. I could just, I can live in that place. It's nice. It's comfortable. I can just keep declaring the word that God spoke over my family and I can live there for the rest of my life. And I would be probably a mildly happy man. But there's a, there's a calling on you. There's a, there's a job, there's a mission that's on you. God, God wants you for relationship and closeness, but there's, it, it, it can't just live there because there's a mission that you and I are called to. There's this thing called the Great Commission. And that is our commission. We're not just here to have happy times. There's a, there's a lost, dying, deeply hurting world that exists. And only 7% of Australians identify as active Christians. Now that's, that's, that's pretty cool, but that means there's 93% of Australia who still has never had an encounter with Jesus, who has never felt the love of God for them who doesn't know the gospel of Jesus Christ dying for their sin so they could be restored to God, right? But there's a gap in front of you and I. And, you know, I can... I I don't know if, if you're like me at the moment. I'm like, I'm too tired. I'm, I'm too tired for the gap. I don't want to step into the next thing. I'm exhausted. I'm, I'm tired. You know, it was so good to be at national conference this week where I could just kind of have a big drink. No expectations. Just drink it in. But the man that Jesus heals can't even see the gap because he's living in his own crap. I worked it out really, really phonetically for you. But isn't that what we do? We live in this space of my own stuff. You know, whether it's your own anxiety, maybe you have no vision for your future, maybe you're struggling with your physical body. Maybe you're struggling in your finances. Maybe there's circumstances that have hit you so hard that you can't, you're like, there's a gap? Are you kidding me? I'm just trying to deal with my stuff right now. I'm I'm here to tell you, sometimes we just get the opportunity. No, I'll, I'll say it this way. 
We always have a choice as to whether I'm going to let my situation define me. Whether I'm going to live as a victim of my situations or whether I'm going to rise above and exist on top of them. And I just... I, I know some of the stuff that you're dealing with. And it's crap. I know it. But I also, I cannot read. I cannot read and exist in this Word and think that that I have to be subjected to my situation and live as a victim of my own circumstance until Jesus Christ comes back. I, 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 can't, I can't read this and I can't, I can't hear the, the Father's voice and I can't know Him and know that I'm meant to exist as subject to all of the stuff that life will throw at me. I have to know because of the truth of the Word and because of who I am and who He is that there's a, there's a rising up that I get to make a decision on. I get to decide if this stuff is going to limit me or if it's going to propel me into my future. Because I don't want... So, 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 so Peter gets the opportunity to step on water. Peter is walking on the surface of the water and there's a storm raging. They're in the middle of the lake. There's no pier that's rising out that goes through the rest. Whatever you've read, it's baloney, right? There's, a, there's, a, there's just Peter and Jesus and Jesus is walking on the water and Peter is like, well, call me out there. Can, can I come to you? And Jesus is like, yeah, cool, man. This would be cool. All right, so Peter gets out of the boat and he's walking on the surface of the water out to Jesus. But the moment he takes his focus off Jesus and he looks to the, to the, to the storm, he looks to the wind, he looks to the waves, he starts to sink. And he's like, what the heck? What's going on? And Jesus comes over to him and he helps him up to stand on the surface of the water again. But if Jesus didn't, he would have drowned. And I wonder if you are drowning in your circumstance. When Jesus is saying, rise up, come up here. Come up to the level of the miraculous where the stuff that was going to drown you is actually going to be a stepping stone towards Christ. I've been, I haven't been that stable for a couple of months. I've been like living as a victim for a couple of months just you know doing okay but just letting my situation or how I perceive my situation letting that get to me I was I was letting myself get paralyzed by my situation really took a while it's taken a while for me to get it I'm, I'm grateful for you babe 
for never giving up. It just is so solid. It's so secure. But it's good. It's good to have. I don't know how people do it without a, a community of faith around them. No, you can't be a Christian and not be in the family. What a joke. Jesus, Jesus enables us to stand up on our own two feet. And there's some stuff that you need to just decide, I'm going to live above and not inside. You know? I think that you get to make that call. I think that you get to make that decision. You get to decide whether your physical condition is going to be your definition or if it's just going to be a launching pad into whatever the next thing is that God has for you. You really get to make that choice. Just but like Joshua said, choose for yourself whom you will serve. Are you going to serve your situation? Or are you going to serve Him who allows you to rise above your situation? When I was a young, uh, a young preacher, um, we didn't have a lot of people. We had a lot of spirit. And, um, but you know what? It was, it was amazing to me what God would still do. I was just, it's like um, when you're a baby, you, you get everything handed to you. Everything, like everything. Everything's handed to you. Here's some food, here's a nappy change. You don't even have to go to the toilet yourself, you know. <laughs> you know, and, and, and when you get a little older, you start taking some responsibility for things. You know, one of the greatest things that we've, we've learned in our family is when your kids get old enough, they can, well, they can, they can feed themselves and clothe themselves. And, you know, our boys are so independent now. They're like, you know, it's like 7.40 in the morning and they're like, okay, we're off to school. And we're like, you got lunch? And they're like, yeah. And we're like, awesome. You guys are amazing. You know, but as you get older as a, as a Christian, as you grow and you mature and you move past that stage of infancy in your faith, there's, a, there's an, a, an increasing responsibility that you and I need to take for our own stuff. You know, you've, one of the most basic ones is learning how to feed yourself as a, as a believer learning how to get the word into you, setting up some good habits of that. You know, these things that we don't often talk about in church, but they're really actually fundamentally important to a, a really healthy, vibrant faith. Coming to church when you're not rostered on something, that's a good thing to do. That's good. 
right? It means that you're becoming reliable. There's a good habit in your world. And there's a whole bunch of stuff. I need to take responsibility for my own connection with God. I need to take responsibility. Not that I'm just setting up half an hour or, you know, whatever to pray every morning. It's actually time that I'm devoting to meeting with God. It's not a religious block. It's a, it's a connection. I'm having coffee with the Father, right? And when you're an infant in the faith, everything is so wow. You know, so much stuff would happen in our early days and it would just blow me away. And I needed, I needed God I needed God to come through because I was so chronically insecure. If God didn't, I would be a mess. You, you got to do this thing, God, because it's, it's your thing. It's your baby. It's your church. It's your connect group. It's your blah, blah, blah. And, and, and I find when you're younger in the faith, God is, when you're immature, when you haven't, you know, you haven't really grown into Fullness. Everything is like God's coming through on this and that and this and that. And then you get to a point where God doesn't come through for you on something. But He's still a God of love. He's still a God who, He hasn't changed. But now He's saying, okay, instead of me releasing it, maybe it's time for you to release it. I got up this morning and I was praying and I said to God, uh, I said, you've just got to give me, this is infant Darren praying. And I'm, I'm like, you just got to give me your heart. I just need your heart. I just, I've just got to get your heart this morning because I knew I'm not going to preach with notes this morning. I just got to give me your heart. Come on, come on. And I just felt him going, you already have my heart. Go and release it. I need less of his voice if I have his nature. I don't need to rely on God, what socks will I wear today? If you pray that prayer, please stop. You know, but when you're young in the faith and you're like, oh, I've just, what, what is God saying about this? What is God saying about this? But the, 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 the closer you get to God, the more you become like Him, the more you glean from Him, the more of His nature rubs off on you. You don't have to ask God for everything because you're becoming like Him. Not in His Godness, but in His nature. So I, I, I've got to keep... Maturity, uh, Pastor Greg French says, maturity is taking responsibility. And I've got to say, just maturity is not a dirty word. Why, why do we use the hashtag adulting? Like, just be an adult. Just take responsibility. Because an infant is never given influence. But an adult does. An adult has influence. 
You can't be a great leader. You can't be a great father or a great mother if you never take responsibility. But you can if you will. Because that leads to greater influence. And that's what God is saying to Joshua. He's saying, there's a gap right here and I've called you to step into this gap. You make the choice. But there's the, the, here's the offer of, of leadership. Here's the offer of greater fruitfulness. Here's the offer of what your future can look like. If only you will rise up. It's not more work. It's less work. I love what Jamie Faye says. You know, he'll be talking about this thing and I'll be like, oh yeah, man, it's gonna be really hard. It's gonna be really hard. I've really gotta really got try for that. And Jamie will just go, you know, this is the easiest thing in the world. It's the simplest thing because it's what you were created for. And I'll be like, oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, good point, good point. This is not about more work. This is about more rest. This is about learning who you already are. So what's your gap? And what's your crap? I'm breaking the rules today. I don't really mind. <laughs> oh, there were a few. <laughs> so on one on one hand, what's your what's your stuff that you need to not submit to anymore? What's your what's the thing that is keeping you down? What is the thing that is keeping you lying down and not moving forward? What is that, what is that point of anxiety? What is that, what's that thing that stresses you out? What is that thing that is limiting you? And the devil would love you to believe that it's more powerful than you. But it isn't. Because of who you are as a child of God, you have authority over the wind and the waves. See, what Jesus was trying to teach Peter, what Jesus was trying to teach the disciples is that they have authority over the wind and the waves. Jesus goes to sleep in the boat in another story. Why is Jesus asleep in a boat when there's this enormous squall that has come? There's this huge storm and all the disciples are freaking out. And they run to Jesus, wake up, Jesus, we're going to die. And Jesus is like, oh, you have little faith. And he walks up and he goes, all right, settle down, calm down. It's all right. And the whole wind and the waves just kind of go. And the whole lake is calm. And they're like, what? And Jesus was asleep so that they could realize who they were. You look back a couple of stories and they've already seen Jesus multiply food. Now all they had to do was realize who they were. 
You don't have to submit to the stuff in your life. But I am, I do believe that He's calling you and I to make a decision about that stuff. That it's not gonna define you, it's, it's your stepping stone to a greater future. You just gotta see it like that. Well, I got problems in my marriage. Well, maybe God has planned for you to have a phenomenal marriage and you just gotta work with Him and work with her or Him, right? To, to, to overcome. But if you can see it as a stepping stone to your future, not as this all-consuming battle that somehow you've gotta endure until one of you passes from this earth, <coughs> right? You got a sickness, you got a problem and a condition. It's not, you don't just need God to heal you. That would be awesome. And I totally believe in healing. But maybe what you need is to stop letting that thing tell you who you are. And you need to see what God has planned for you despite what you're going through. So there is a gap in front of you right now. It doesn't matter on your age. It doesn't matter what, what, what your circumstances and stuff is. It just matters that you will listen and then rise up. Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.